I think one of the most sacred and almost like mundane roles of the astrologer is to normalize what needs to be normalized and sharply question what has become normalized that should not. Like the seductive discourse that our relationships should be effortless. No, they are effortful. Then what? And then also what astrologers I think can really do to normalize relational sequences is to normalize conflict. Welcome to Cosmic Rx Radio, a podcast that gives you real-life tools of spiritual empowerment and pure hype. I'm your host and intuitive guide, Maddie Murphy. I'll be serving up your weekly energy readings, cosmic boss interviews, and astro inspiration. Are you ready to love yourself more, manifest your dream life, and own your magic? Let's jump in. All right, baddies, I'm already laughing. The episode hasn't begun. So all I'm going to say is buckle the fuck up because we have a guest who has been so much in demand. This is just so all of you can get off my back. (laughs) One of my dearest friends, my Mercury husband, Colin Bedell. You might know him as Queer Cosmos. Who am I kidding? You definitely know him. You're obsessed with his rapid fire wit and wisdom that comes through in his reels, in his writing, and also through his gorgeous brows. We love to observe them. He is a queer Gemini twin from Long Island, New York. And what you may not know about him is he's a passionate student of secular personal growth systems and the universal spiritual themes explored in A Course of Miracles. And Well and Good Magazine listed him as one of the most influential people in the wellness industry. Hello, big deal. And as a 2020 innovator. Complementing his work with Queer Cosmos, you might also have seen him write for Cosmopolitan.com for their weekly horoscopes. If you haven't, go check them out. And also speaking of his writing, he's such a Gemini. He just can't stop writing, can't stop talking. He has a best-selling book, a little bit of astrology. Hello. And a second book, Queer Cosmos, that's one of my all-time favorite astrology books ever created, The Astrology of Queer Identities and Relationships, which just brings tears to my eyes every time I read it. He's also one of my dearest friends. My Mercury has been someone who really reignited my love for astrology. I would not be here doing this without him. He walks the talk, okay? He's a fellow Long Island mystic. He keeps it real. To know him is to be obsessed with him. And that's why I'm so excited to have him on as today's cosmic change maker. Meet your new spiritual bestie. What's up, Colin? <laughs> oh my God, Maddie. That's also the edited version of my love letter. That's the edited version of my love letter to you because that could have been 45 minutes alone. Yeah. Well, if I had to talk about how much I loved you, we'd be here to Virgo season. Okay, three and a half months. Just going on and on. <laughs> Long went to Gemini here. All right? Thank you so much for that, for those words, for that feedback, for that energy. It's an honor to be here in your space, in your work, and in the contributions you make to the world. Thank you for having me. Oh, thank you so much. I'm Colin. This is going to be such a fun episode. We're going to talk about, you know, you have so many amazing hot takes and perspectives on astrology, and that is truly... Like I said in the intro, I always was into astrology as a kid and then as a young adult, but your ability to bring together the secular, you know, information and and psychology and politics and social justice and weave everything in through your beautiful eloquence is what I was like, okay, I got to like take this more seriously now. And also watching how fun it was to go out with you and you were just reading the charts of 
everyone we met you know bus people the restaurant bartenders servers people on the subway we're like reading charts walking around manhattan and brooklyn together so tell us just before we get into like all the amazing wisdom you're going to share today tell us a little bit about like you and, and how you arrived your journey to arriving as a professional astrologer well, and also thank you for those words, because what I want everybody to know is that if I didn't meet you, I say this every time, I don't really think I would have had an image of what it would mean to be self-employed. There was something about you, Maddie, and obviously I mm. have met other self-employed people and entrepreneurs, dozens and dozens of them before meeting you. But I think our friendship provided, I, in fact, I know our friendship provided the resonant field of possibility for me. Because the way you lived your life with so much freedom and but commitment to your schedule, I was like, because Maddie is doing this, I know I can do it too. No one has had that impact on me since mm. or ever. Okay, so I just need to let that. Uh, they better be not. Me. I will fight them if they do. <laughs> I will fight them. We're fighting. I love resonant field of possibility. It's Truly. so true. Like we only can work towards or embody or try to experience something that we we see in front of us, right? 100%. And we know it's real. And I, I love that. And just the way you would like sachet Chante out of like a taxi with like cute overalls and like a sports bra and like aviators, but she's on her way to LaGuardia to see her uncle. I was like, what is this life? I want it. You have such a good memory. I love uh, yeah. that it, it me, I don't even know if I told you that, but it really was just you existing, you being. I was like, yo, you can be this Long Island woman too. So don't play. So thank you for that. <laughs> It's true, though. Look at us. And this is why we are Mercury married, because <laughs> we are just so connected, but we hold space for each other and help each other expand, which should be, you know, hold the basis of any good, healthy expand. relationship. Hold yeah. it down and let it expand. Okay, so tell us about how you, like, how did you become who you are right now? I think it's such an amazing journey. I think sort of my, the way that I became who I am is, is the way most people do, right? Of just like following a certain level of passion and curiosity that I've almost always had for like personal archetypes, mythology, psychology, mm. relational understanding. I think the older I get, the more I realize how being a twin really marked the way that I access these conversations too. Mm. Because, you know, as a twin, I am a lifelong student of interpersonal dynamics, whether I, whether I like it or not, you know? And so I've always been curious about how do people get along? How do people communicate? Because my sister and I have had our own little world for my whole life. And what I realized was that many people struggle with communication in an effort to connect. And mm -hmm. so I was just always looking for resources that would help me do that. Never imagining in a million years that it would become a career. Like never. I, and I trust me, people will know if I'm kidding myself or kidding other people. I really did not have a professional ambition of becoming an astrologer until like a month and a half before my website went live. <laughs> so <laughs> I honestly, like I thought about, oh, wouldn't it be nice, da, 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 you know, but I never really thought it would ever happen the way that it did. And so, yeah, I think I became who I am because I just had this deep psychological imperative to follow where my curiosities took me and I'm still doing it. And it's given me a life that I am just constantly blessed and grateful to be living mm, oh my goodness first of all you are such a gemini powerhouse archetype of just like the lessons that you're teaching us just even about the gemini energy of like the power of your curiosity and exploring like i could see you as a little, like a little kid i'm picturing you as a little, like 
young teenager, like 12 years old, looking around like, okay, how can I learn more about how to deal with these communication, connection? Why do you do that? Why do I do this? I love imagining you just like taking notes. Yes. And I know that your mother, big influence on, Come on. your original foundation. I, I can't have you on the podcast with that. I'm not talking about my mother. One of my favorite mamas. Yeah, that's talking about your mother, who I love <laughs> so much. And I uh, know that you said that your reading of her Linda Goodman's Sun Sign that's right. you know, impacted you so much. And what I love about anyone who comes on and anyone who's a change maker, anyone who's doing something in their field is taking something, they, a foundational text or a foundational mm-hmm. teaching or something that really inspired them, but then kind of using their lens and their experience and mm-hmm. what they maybe creating what they needed to experience in the world and using that as the beginning of, you know, their art, their offering, their medicine, their message. So tell us a little bit about like why Queer Cosmos, like why did we, why was that the website? Why is that what we, what, you know, right. your book is and your brand you have with your beautiful business partner? Like, oh yeah. How did this start? <laughs> so, well, you're right. It definitely was my mother as most things begin, right? <laughs> Back to the mother. <laughs> it all does, says the Mars and Cancer. <laughs> But it's true. Yeah, she was always talking about astrology in our house, particularly whenever she needed to talk shit about my dad. But no, they're still married and they love each other. But you know, we. <laughs> so she goes, like, Oh my God, your Leo father, I swear he's going to be the death of me and my I'm Gemini just... twins, blah, blah, blah. You know, so I was like, What are you talking about, Bob? What is this shit? Right? And then that's when I, that's when I started oh really Googling it. But I was like 12 years old during my first Jupiter return. And then during my second Jupiter return, so about 12 years later, I think that it really started because I was going through a horrible breakup, like my first big mm-hmm. breakup. And Freddie Taylor Swift fans, I basically was going through the Red Album start to finish, like all too well, we're never getting back oh. together, treacherous, like it was a whole thing. And Taylor Swift and I are the same age, so we go through the same transits and she writes albums before they happen. It's amazing. And so... I was going through my all too well moment and I was like, you know what? My best thinking got me here and I am clearly in need Mm. of some significant personal and relational education because look what I just did. I just drove this car right the fuck off the road. And so Mm. I advanced my study of astrology and was also advancing a study around, again, personal development systems brought forward by Brene Brown and others. And then I started studying A Course in Miracles. So it was almost like a threefold approach that was like baked into the cake of my early 20s. Mm. And so when I studied astrology, I was studying concepts around shame, around emotion regulation, and what is A Course in Miracles teaching. And then, so that was 23, 24. And then 27, 28, my best friend and I were like, you know what? We should just put a website out there and try our best to synthesize some of the concepts we discuss all the time from a queer perspective and for queer readers who maybe feel like it couldn't possibly relate to them. And so that's how Queer Cosmos was born. My website went live on June 6, 2017. And then two weeks later, I was fired from my day job. <laughs> and it was like... <laughs> I love when the universe is like, just going to give you a swift kick in the pants to just speed oh up this God. timeline a little bit. Like <laughs> swift kick in the pants. Yeah, oh yeah, it certainly did. I know that we're curious about Mars. And for anybody who's who's interested... Literally, the day of my Mars return was the day that I was fired. Shut up. Yeah. So that's when Mars re-entered Cancer, my needle Mars position. And so Mars set me free. Mars was like, you know you don't want to be here anyway. So go. Right. Like, we're just going to make this easy for you. And just go. 
thank the goddess, thank God, thank the universe for that because you're, I guess a backstory of how I found you is we had a common, you know, a mutual connection friend who was basically like, hey, you're kind of into all this like... You're into this weird shit. You're talking shit. about like planets and ghosts and crystals. You should meet this. And he goes, I have this friend. He has, and this is again, a friend who's a straight man who's not into spirituality. So how he described it, he's like, I have a really great friend from college. He's gay and he loves astrology. And I was like... Listen, if I don't have time to meet every gay man in New York who's into astrology, I don't have time for that. I was like, what? And then two things happen, and Taylor Swift is involved. I went to your website, and I was like, holy shit, this is beautiful. And I was like, duh, oh my god, I've never seen things written about astrology or relationship astrology or horoscopes that are through the queer lens and for people who don't necessarily live in, like, traditional gender-conforming roles or... Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, so it's always like, Taurus man, Gemini woman. And I was like, duh. It, like, hit me like a ton of bricks. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, I didn't even... Duh. And then the thing that really made me feel like that I respected you as a scholar, as an astrologer, as a thinker. But the thing that was like, give me his number. I need to go on a date with him right now is I heard you on a podcast talking about Taylor Swift's birth chart. And that, then I was like, game over. I need to meet this bitch right now. We have things to say. That I was like, this is it. This is it. So for me, for you, I was like, oh, that is, I understood in that moment. I was like, this is a very important, like, I can't describe it. When you're watching something happen in real time, I'm like, oh, yeah. this person who I'm just meeting, your work is so, it's like a, like a pioneer. Like, you're, like, leading the way for us to think about astrology in so many different ways. And one thing that I wanted to ask you about is like, you were one of the first people that ever brought this up to me of like gender in astrology. So outdated. (laughs) Gender as a construct. Outdated, we talked about Mars, but can you tell us a little bit about like, I think a lot of astrology still does lean on some very, I would say like lazy or one dimensional Mm. kind of tone. And we're going to talk more about relationships in a second, but I couldn't talk about queer cosmos and the work you do there without also like examining like, your take on that on like gender astrology. You say it much better than I do, but I'm like I was listening to you on a podcast and you're like, yeah, everyone says like, oh Venus, you're ruled by Venus, like your divine feminine is like you're ruled by that. And you're like that's just so boring. Obviously, astrology can teach us a lot about our roles that we embody or the different expressions of energy. But, like, when you hear someone say, like, oh, like, you know, this is a traditionally masculine, Mars is a masculine role, like, what was it about that that just clicked for you? I mean, like, nah, I don't think so. I think Mars has so much more to teach us than that. Oh, wow. Well, and I just want to say, yeah, I want to clarify, too, not that you alluded or suggested that I was, but, like, I'm certainly not the first, the last, or the only, like, queer astrologer in any stretch. You know, I think that I in a lineage and a part of a larger cohort who's, like, trying to do the same things that I'm doing. And and really to queer things is to kind of question, right? And really wonder, mm. well, who said Mars is masculine, right? Who said? Why? Mm-hmm. Where? Show me, right? And then I think that where my work is distinct is that I'm trying to bring in evidence-informed research because my concern with astrology is that if astrologers sort of have to be like the modern, you know, kind of Renaissance people and almost like 
I see our role as like kind of like library scientists. We have to know a little bit about a lot of things and direct people to where they got to get information they need. Very Mercury, right? You know, my concern with some of the content and some of the work that I've read and participated in about astrology is that if I was speaking to researchers and professors and academics in that field, Mm -hmm. they would sharply push back on what astrology is saying. And I'm not saying I, we all have to agree, but we do need to look at leading research and data and sort of say, where does this situate and why does this matter? And where I would always go is because I'm totally a research nerd. I didn't know it at the time. I certainly know it now. And so when people would say things <laughs> like that in astrology, I'd be like, no, says who? Why? Let me see your work cited page and let me see your research proposal now. I don't want to hear it. Okay. Parsons School for receipts. Design. It trained me in qualitative research methods. Okay. And when I can tell that someone, you know, just has the foregone conclusion and is leading with theory that is just patently evidence uninformed, I'm going to say something. Okay. And that's where Queer and Cosmos came about. That's what I love about you. <laughs> I love yeah, yeah, questioning yeah. everything. Everything. That's what your Gemini gift is. Like, who says, says who, turning everything like a Rubik's Cube, <laughs> looking so. at it, flipping it, like, not just taking things at face value. I say that no. is like the power mantra of Gemini. It's like, says who, who says, looking at that. And like you said, it's like a little Gemini, but with your cat moon, like, show me the receipts. What's the evidence based back research? You changed the game for me on that because I. Pisces moon, Pisces midheaven, love all of this shit. I can take it to space value. Yup. A ghost told me that I should have more chlorophyll and probiotics. Done. I'll have it. Stop. Leave the ghosts out of this. I'm done with you. I believe the ghosts out of this. But my Virgo son and New Yorker is like, you can't say that to someone. Like, no. Like, you can't. Like, And I never felt the permission to share that side of myself because there was this inner built-in, like, skeptic critic that was good of of a checkpoint and then so meeting you i was like oh right there is place and actually a necessity for both so library scientists i love them definitely stealing that because that is how i feel sometimes like learning so much about like astrology is the framework where you go within that is so fascinating Thank you for saying everything so articulately and beautifully. This is what I just love. I love you so much. Well, because it's true. I mean, isn't that what we do in readings? You know, people are coming to me with questions. Like just today, I had a mother who wanted me to look at uh, the charts of a five and an eight-year-old. And what an honor. And also, I had to be really Mm. clear, like, I'm not an expert in child development or child psychology. So, like, how do I, as an astrologer, direct you to helpful sources and helpful resources that allow you to navigate some of the complexities around social and emotional learning for children, you know? And my concern is that I think astrologers can almost posit themselves as like universal experts. And I'm like, whoa, (laughs) all all the way back. Relax. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Where do you get off? I know everything about everything. (laughs) Yeah, and just the certainty to which they speak. I'm like, show Mm. me your works cited page and show me a colleague who will prove or disprove what you're saying. What are the Mm -hmm. caveats and contingencies in your analysis? One of my favorite questions. And if I asked a secular researcher to confirm or disprove exactly what you're saying, what would you do? Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know? So that that's at the core of my work. Yeah. Yeah. This I can feel it's so funny because your big three, which do you mind if I share your big three? Oh, sure. Or do you want to share sure. it? <laughs> sure. No, you can share your so Should funny. I just go ahead? I'm such an over 
eager no, wife. I'm like, Mercury, I'm like, here's my Mercury husband, Leo rising, Gemini sun, Capricorn moon. When you talk about your Gemini, like you literally feel the Saturn ruled moon behind it, holding it all down. I'm like, yeah, but this is the core of my work. Like the Gemini is leading the way, but the, it's there. And of course, the Leo rising can't help but make you freaking famous and lovable and everyone just like, you're like, I don't even want this spotlight, but goddamn, but it loves me. <laughs> How many times have I said that to you? Literally, I think for you said that to me so much. I know. No, I remember saying to you, I mean, like, oh, of course. And you being like, no, I don't want, I don't even want this. It just finds me. And I'm like, you know, I know you did modeling in the past and People just like can't help it, but like you just shine like the sun. So I love that at at the core of of what you do. I I feel that. And I'm so grateful for, again, you've really taught me about how much every sign and the archetype like teaches and models for us because that has really helped me in my work and have so much more integrity and think about things in a different way and also keeping me very humbled. So kind of while we're talking about Gemini, but I just want to like pivot Gemini style and talk a little bit about... You obviously, to me, are such a student of relationships, like you mentioned, what got you into this. So one of the things I was, I was going to try and work into the conversation, like, tell me something that pisses you off about the astrology community, but check, 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 you already did that. Because I always love hearing your hot takes because they're my freaking favorite. And they also make me check myself too. Like, I'm like, okay, like, am I, am I doing that or not? I just want to make sure because the leather. And I will say yours. Let me just tell you, I don't have a monopoly Listen, you can tell me. I will show my ass. Whip me into shape. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But we already checked, checked. You perfectly brought that up. But I want to talk about, like, the other thing that you said. You have these things that, like, stick out in my mind so much. We were, again, meeting up for a coffee or something. And you're like, yeah, I just got off the phone doing this interview with some publication, some outlet, I forget now, digital outlet. And they want me to know, tell them, because I do relational astrology, what sign is not compatible with what sign and what signs go together. And you said, I just told them, I don't believe in that. And then the article became about something completely different. So tell us a little <laughs> bit about your thoughts on like this concept of, we all hear it a lot, like compatibility, like certain signs don't go together. What's your perspective on that? Well, thank you so much for giving me the floor to talk about that because I'm very present to these ideas insofar as, you know, just A, with Gemini season, we need to be really careful about using language that holds the honesty of our experiences. And when we say things like compatibility, implicit in that word is good or bad, or implicit in that word is very compatible or not. That's not the way attraction works. That's not the way love and relationships operate. Hello. And the way Esther Perel says that love is not a permanent state of enthusiasm. So I just had conversations with astrologers today of like, oh, so, and I'm getting deja vu talking about it. Like, so astrology works in relationship. What do you mean it works? How is it resulting in particular relational outcomes? Like, let's get really clear and specific here. So again, what I think astrologers need to be really careful about when they are speaking, writing, or contributing about relational sciences and relational intelligence is, Would a marriage and family therapist back this up? If I had to have my findings peer-reviewed by sex educators and a divorce attorney, what would they say? Mm -hmm. You know, and so that's really where I would love to see astrology move forward is animate the conversation to make it more dynamic with what are the leading marriage and family therapists saying about relational technology? What does commitment actually look like? Even as I learned this word yesterday, asymmetrical commitment proportion, which is basically one person cares, the other person doesn't, you know, like all these beautiful (laughs) romantic clinical terms. I love that. 
I love the clinical terms that bring it in. <laughs> Seriously, my Capricorn moon was like, that makes all the sense in the world. Right. <laughs> the Pisces moons were like, it's cold and not romantic. You want to say it again? You know? So anyway, I would just love to see astrology have its findings and have its work peer-reviewed. And I would love astrologers to understand the responsibility and the dignity and the honor of what it means to hold other people's psyche and listening in our hands. So we need to be extremely strategic, thoughtful, and nuanced about the words that we share. Otherwise, we are disrespecting the honor that we have. And so that's where I go. It's almost like Gemini and relationships and what pisses me off. So anyway, there you go. (laughs) How beautiful, how powerful. And I really love, you've introduced me to so many amazing thought leaders, resources, again, institutes who dedicate all of their time and money and energy to going deep on these subjects so that I can like, you know, go in and cherry pick and learn One thing I heard you say, which really is like just to give an illustration for what you're talking about, is I heard you on a podcast talking about the mythology of Gemini and the story of Gemini and how like you can say it better than I can, but that we learn about each other through how we're different, which really when I was hearing you talk about it, all I could hear you talking about was harmony, disharmony, repair, which is (laughs) one of the tools you taught me about. And I, so I was going to ask you about that tool in particular. Like, I think that a lot of people, when you said good, bad relationships, yeah. like compatibility equals good, bad, mm-hmm. but through your studies and what you learn and what you bring to the table through the lens of astrology it is not good, bad, right? Like no. people think that like, oh, I never fight with my partner. It's a good relationship. Or like, we're always having conflict. It's, it must be bad, quote unquote. So can you walk us a little bit through, uh, well, you can talk about harmony, harmony repair, but I want to hear like, what is one of your like favorite tools, or it could be that one that kind of comes up a lot in readings that helps people kind of tie all this together in their birth chart through like your also research that you've done. Such a great question, and I think we can talk on several points succinctly. Oh gosh, this is so good. What were we going to say? Go ahead. No, I was just going to say because I know people who've gotten readings from you will still quote you, be like, "Well, this is just what Colin was talking about." <laughs> It's just like we're in a cycle of harmony repair and it shifts everything for them. So, (laughs) Well, because I think one of the most sacred and almost like mundane roles of the astrologer is to normalize what needs to be normalized and sharply question what has become normalized that should not Mm. like the seductive discourse that our relationship should be effortless. No, they are effortful. Then what? And then also what astrologers, I think, can really do to normalize relational sequences is to normalize conflict and then provide people with specific tools and strategies that they can lean on when they are in a conflict space. So around harmony, disharmony, repair, this is the work of, I don't know which couples therapist, but it's essentially just the fact that relationships operate on a sequence of harmony, disharmony, repair all the time, sometimes all three in one hour, right? And so... Again, right? Normalizing the disharmony phase, we can ask the client, so what words did you use and how did you bring up this particular upset? Was it a structured conversation? How did you react? How did the other person react? Did you want a problem solution? Did you want a problem discussion? You know, and so language around these things and normalizing them provides the listener an opportunity to rise to an occasion and also Madeline, the opportunity for them to have a second chance. A second chance. Right. 
So like, right? that's, that's where I go with this. That's so big. No, no, that's exactly like the second chance is so yeah. big and notwithstanding abusive, violent or toxic Correct. relationships. I feel like sometimes the modern, what do you want to call it? Like meme psychology yeah. is so quick to have people thinking about like you're cut off, put up a boundary. Like you said, the mm-hmm. self self love, self care, selfie industry is like, you're the problem. I'm fine. Like I have my boundaries. I know my worth. And I, that is very important, but also like, to be in a relationship is to work for it, like you said, and totally. to have to kind of like figure out those things of of compromise or second chances and to give each other grace and space, right? Grace because like space. we want it to. <laughs> that's what we are showing our ass, okay? <laughs> and so that's why, yeah. Like was it quick that that's going to happen? Always. I'm going to do it tonight, okay? And I also think that like maybe it is the Gemini or Gemini figure to kind of help people strategize, contextualize, or meaning make in relational concerns, relational matters, right? Which is a we perspective versus a you did this to me perspective, right? And understand how relationships are a feedback loop, they're systems, right? So sometimes just on the way that we ask or not say something, we're eliciting the very response that we don't want because we're confirming our worst fear in the process, right? And that doesn't mean there's something wrong with you or something wrong with them. It just means we need a new system in place, right? And so that's what I think the story of Gemini is, is how do we use our communication skills to bridge the gap between us and the other? And how do we use communication as an opportunity for connection? Because every relationship is a conversation, you know? And so mm-hmm. yeah, that's what we're doing. We're talking, listening, feedbacking. And I think what we need to know is that most of us weren't born just learning how to do it, you know? So we do have to kind of skill build a little bit and hold ourselves accountable and maybe research and apply it in real time. And it takes the sting out of it. I think it provides a level of knowledge and power that my gosh, few other educational things have given me quite like investing in my communication aptitude. Communication aptitude. Okay. I love that. And that maybe might be a good moment to bring up like in practical, you know, I love a good cosmic RX, love yeah, my you like, homework for people listening. I love a homework. Virgo's like, do me your homework, bitch. I love it. I love right. it so much. And I have heard you say multiple times before, I think I actually heard you, we did a panel with Jessica Lignato and someone asked the two of you, like, you know, what What do I look for in someone else's chart? And both of you were like, first thing, you got to understand your own chart. We were talking about... Like, Two Capricorn moon bitches, right? Two Capricorn. That's why I love you. The both of you. You both like stop and look at each other. Like, who wants to say it first? Like, this is about. We're gonna say it. Relationships go into that radical responsibility that, like, we have to learn for ourselves and how we show up in relationships and aware of our own stuff. So, in terms of like strengthening our communications, is there something you could give someone who's listening, like, you know, something to look at in their chart or a way or framework to kind of understand, like what their communication skills or where their opportunities for growth may be in or, or something that just may be like a, a tool based off of what you said through the lens of their chart? Ooh, great question. So I would actually probably encourage them to ask them to ask themselves, how do I know that I know something? So it's the field of personal epistemology and knowledge acquisition. How do we know that we know? right? Because mm. we're living in a, obviously a great time of complexity, ambivalence, ambiguity. And I think people are struggling to communicate because they're struggling to really discern, do I know this? Do I not know this? Right? 
So I would have mm-hmm. them look at their chart and say, do you, particularly the fire signs, right? Do you feel things somatically, like in the body? I know I'm feeling what I'm feeling because of what my body is responding to. How about the earth signs? They're a little bit maybe more cognitive, like air. There's a deep cognition. Air and earth, they kind of know that they know something intellectually first. Their neocortex alerts them to a particular thought response, behavioral approach, yada, yada. And then the water signs feel things on a deeply sentient emotional space. And so getting curious about how they develop knowledge. And then I would have them, all of us, commit to at least five to ten minutes a day of either mindfulness meditation, journaling, we must develop the ability to pay attention to our internal awareness and what's happening outside of us. Non-negotiable. I don't want to hear it. Wake up early, set up an alarm, (laughs) do something. I don't want to hear it. I just want you to do it. Okay. Start small if you have to, but fucking do it. I love the Capricorn moon. (laughs) I don't. You think I want to hear it? Because let me tell you. You think he wants to hear an excuse? No, him, this guy. I and also, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell everyone what you told me years ago, because well, you said oh, God, in the morning, wake up, I was going to call out what you said. Again, I remember certain, like, the Gemini, like, morsels of wisdom that you gave me that are, like, locked into my programming. You go, and if you're not starting your day with this, if you're meditating at night and you're going to wonder why your life feels like shit, that's why. Because you're like, you got to meditate. Fine, you can do it at why night. You got to clear your head first thing in the morning. You got to do the brain dump, the meditation, the mindfulness, the journaling Thank to you. start the day. At the end of the day, it's like the day already happened. And you shift it. Like, I'm, I'm so mutable. I was like, I guess anything could work day or night. Or my Pisces moon like thrives at night, comes alive <laughs> after sure. midnight. <laughs> but then I was like, oh, yeah. Like that's a different kind of meditation at night that I can do. But the one that helps me show up as my clearest self to help me my communications and my connection and my cognition and my clarity, that has to happen in the morning with the sun. Hello. Oh, so I'm so funny. Right, like, I'm glad we're doing this shit now before we're going to bed. Because now, you know, I believe when my father told me today, I fucking went off on the Long Island Expressway with somebody who cut me off. Like, I'm real glad. I needed this shit early. I threw a Dunkin' Not Donuts cup out one. my window at someone. What? Do you like, know what I'm saying? Going before bed. And... and you made it so obvious. I was like, oh, yeah, duh, duh. Look at your life. Look at your choices. That's Hello. one that's all. So. Look at this. The consequence of my own actions. I have relaxation in an hour before I know. bed. Look at- Damn, did my cortisol put me through the fucking ringer today. Right. You know? So just so you know, I'm paying attention when you say, okay, keep going. <laughs> No, 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 please. I can see that and it means so much to me. And then I often think about how, because I know Aquarius rules your sixth house and you have a lot of beautiful planets there. And I'm always nervous. Like when I see someone who has an Aquarius ruled sixth house, I remember what we talked about in your reading. And I was like, so do what works for you and just take small steps, but bitch, you better do it. Right. Like every day might be different, but bitch, there's certain things you got to do, like a framework, like a corral. Let the wild horses run, but it has to be within this corral. There has to be Thank a certain you. boundary. And Thank that was a game changer for me. You're, and you're so funny to remember that. Yeah, I have my, my Uranus is in my sixth house. And you remember that. I was like, so I like why can I not stick to a routine for the Thank love God. of God? For the love of God, for the love of your honest. I know. I'm like, this is why. And that's okay. It's not a one-size-fits-all garment, baby. Okay? And then lastly, mm-hmm. I would just have them really, and I just did this today because I, I could tell that a conversation was getting tense. And I was like, hold on a minute. Let me make sure I got this right. 
So are you telling me? And then I just did the mirroring and validating. And I think all that person wanted was to be understood. Mm -hmm. And if we can just postpone persuasion a little bit and just go into understanding and ask and say, let me make sure I got that right. Are you telling me and model that in real time? What a gift that could be for ourselves and our relationships. What a gift and what another amazing communication device. You also are the one that told me that Gemini is the sign of the twins and it's a two-way street. It's not just talking. It's also listening. It's mirroring. It's active listening. It's mm -hmm, like, okay, let me get this right. This is what I'm hearing from you. Okay. Tell me more about that. That's right. So if you're listening to this and you want a great communication starter point for Gemini season, what Colin just said, the mirroring and, and what did you say? De- postponing persuasion? Postpone persuasion. Yes. Everyone's persuading. Jeez. Relax. I know that's ironic. I'm telling them, I'm persuading them to stop persuading. But just postpone. <laughs> no, you're just telling them. It's not a persuasion. It's just a dictation. Stop. <laughs> stop. Just listen. Okay. Uh Okay, that is, that is a, what I would say a relationship game changing tool. Like, if for any relationship you have, so thank you for that nugget. That's like good. That's a powerful one. Okay, I could talk to you forever. It's actually been stressful for me to figure out like how to n- not have this be a five hour God like, damn it podcast. <laughs> Like a freaking epic of just like part 100 of my interview with Colin, wherein we now talk about the spiritual influence of Britney Spears in our life. And now I'm moving on to the next thing. Oh my God. Oh my God. The Odyssey by Colin and Maddie. The, o- Odyssey. the Odyssey by Colin and Maddie. Everyone's like, Jesus, these two freaking Mercury <laughs> Shut up, you Mercury freaking, girls. I know. Like, you Mercury girls. No. <laughs> Mercury girls. We can't. Um, yep. so, <laughs> something you brought up when we were chatting before about this episode. Obviously, this Gemini season is going to have a little fun twist, as there yes. always happens you know, always. in astrology. There's always the fun little adding a little flavor packet to spice right. things up a bit. And this year we're going to have Jupiter, Sky Daddy, Zaddy, yes. all amazing, expansive, <laughs> King Midas touch planet that really connects us to our, our faith and our sense of expansion and how our soul wants to create and grow and learn and have a higher perspective of life is going to be in Aries. Yes. So how do we feel about this? What are some of your initial, you always have like, I always see you seeing the lesson, like you're getting the download from the planets of like, what is our cosmic assignment during certain transits? And you spit out the perfect homework for us. So how are we feeling about like Jupiter and Aries for this Gemini season? And how do you think it's going to like ask us to show up differently? I'm so excited about this because then also, yeah, it happens on like May 14th. So just a few days or a week or two before the sun enters Gemini. But then on May 24th, mm-hmm. my birthday, Mars enters Aries. So we're going to have a lot of Aries energy kind of kicking off uh, Gemini season. And I love this love energy together because you're a sister of an Aries. Gabby, we love you. And what we know about Aries energy is that they are encouraging us to see our desires as a great source of life force, vibrancy, radiance, passion, and just what does it mean for us to feel fully alive? Mm. You know, and after being surrounded by collective deadness over the last two plus years, we need to start having conversations about ways to choose aliveness and vibrancy in the midst of these things. And so that's Aries. And Aries is the personification of Esther Perel's quote, which is that the erotic aliveness is the antidote to death. Mm-hmm. 
So enter Gemini that thinks about them, you know, is going to ask themselves and other people, hey, Maddie, what makes you feel fully alive? Go be it. Go do it. Go have it. Hey, mm-hmm. everybody else, how is desire something that you have a tricky relationship with? Unlearn it. Learn the solution instead. Boom! You know? And I think we're all looking for that, of like this full contact experience of aliveness. My moon progressed into Aries at the end of October 2021. And let me tell you right now, that's all I've been doing, is just going right the fuck after whatever the hell makes me happy, middle finger in the air, like I just don't care. Okay? And living my Ramming fucking life. towards what makes you feel alive and 100%. give you no fucks about anything else. It's I've been watching you. I love watching the progressed moon. To- <laughs> Um, but you know what? That's what I love about watching people in their progressed moons because I'm like, wow, understanding the energy and the flavor through you then. I'm like, yeah, like I think you even put something about when you were on your amazing Roman holiday adventure, something about like ramming towards what makes you feel alive. And I was like, I really feel that it's like that head first into your life force, into your arrows, into your vibrancy. And what I love about Gemini season is like, and you kind of talk about this sometimes is like, yeah, we are here to do a lot of our work on our own. Like, you know, like we go in and we do our own work. We have to kind of own our own shit. We have to figure out what makes us feel alive. We have to figure out what's the drama we're bringing, the baggage. We have to go in and figure out where do we show up as the toxic one, like, hello. But then it's like, you do all that work alone. And then it's like, then you go to put it in practice and bring it alive with other people. And you also get to understand that, like, there's people who have your back, who stand shoulder to shoulder with you, like you've said in the past, and are being like, let's remind you of that. Remind you of what makes you feel alive. Remind you that maybe this state you're in isn't actually your most alive state, but you might have gotten used to that through that, like, comfort and complacency. And also just, we get tired. And, like, I think so to have that Gemini season of, like, who can you kind of encourage to be in there, like, Jupiter and Aries and at Mars meeting up with it, too, at the end of the month? Like, how can you kind of stand side by side with someone and be like, we're both on our own journeys, but I'm going to remind you of, like, hey, like, remember that thing that makes you feel alive? Remember your soul mission statement? Remember that time that you thought you couldn't and then you fucking did? And you were like, I have so much mojo and swagger that, like, you feel like you take on the world, how do we get you back there? Because that's where you deserve to be right now. Because I think we've all felt a little, like, numb after the past two years. We're all a little bit, like, the gas in the tank's a little low. So I think that this permission and this, like, moment from Jupiter and Aries is going to have us going fun, have us, you know, tapping into fun, tapping into freedom, forward momentum, this, like, just-do-it energy, which I think Just Do It, the slogan, was created under Jupiter and Aries. I looked Stop. up because it's such a good Jupiter and Aries tagline. Like, Stop. just do it. Like, just go for it. Just do it. But I love your reminder of the Gemini component. is like, yeah, you're going alone because it's Jupiter and Aries. Like, go right. after what makes you feel alive. But you're bringing that back to your relationships. Or you're also having people in relationship with you reminding you of that. Right? Maddie, you bottom line that shit so fucking well. Yes, baby. Yes, Virgo. Go simplify my the Gemini fucking clarity. You give me. <laughs> no, I, honey, I live. I lick up your loquaciousness. Okay, I want to drink it with a straw. <laughs> um, I love you so much. Uh, uh, okay, so 
we're going to wrap up here. I want to honor your time. But is there anything that like we didn't get to cover or anything that this conversation stirred up in you or anything that's been kind of present on your mind as we go into talking about Gemini or going into Jupiter and Aries or any of the other, like, I know we're in our North Node, you know, we're going through all these eclipses right now at the time of this recording. But is there anything that just feels present to you that like we didn't get to that you just feel Mm -hmm. like, I got to say something. I saw some, I I see something, I say something. I'm a New Yorker. There you go. Come on. And the Brits say it so British. They go, see it, say it, sort it. Boom, boom, boom. Right? I just love that. <laughs> oh, my God. I love that. <laughs> Random sorted. And we're done with that. Sorted. Right. <laughs> All right. So what I actually <laughs> would love to say, it's kind of a fusion of Gemini <laughs> and Aries, is that our ability to experience desire, excitement, enthusiasm, passion, all those things, is a function of our ability to regulate anxiety. And so... Anxiety and excitement feel the same in the body, you know. I'm so happy you're saying this. You know, and so like unless you are or have been diagnosed with an anxiety disorder or living with an anxiety condition, you know, this is not we're not talking to you. That's out of our field of expertise here, out of our depth. We're just talking about how we can breathe through and regulate anxiety cognitively. And so I think that's what we can really lean on during Gemini season is like how do I turn towards what makes me afraid with courage anyway, right? And like, oh my God, I'm making up a story in my head about worst case scenario because I haven't even started yet. So what can I do to fact check my awareness here? Whoa, right? And how do I talk openly about my anxieties? Because I am really excited. And yeah, maybe we can just kind of like see them as side-by-side neighbors, like anxiety, excitement, love and loss. You know, that's another big one. But maybe what we can strategize is cognitive behavioral approaches that allow us to regulate anxiety when we're really excited. Holy shit. You just, that, uh, this is what I had to ask you. I was like, there's there's something else in the queue. I see your wheels turning over there. There's like something going on right here, a crown, third eye, (laughs) like one more thing we got to say. It's already been charged up. Too late. Can't go back in the hole now. But I'm so happy that you said that because that actually has come up just with my clients over the past really? two or three days a lot. Wow. My cousin Kirsten, who I know you know and who loves Scorpio you, queen. Scorpio Queen, um, recommended this book, The Big Leap, by Gay Hendricks to me Ooh. and like a, you know, a few years ago. And there's a whole part he talks about, it's like talking about getting into like your zone of genius and and taking those big leaps and the things that hold us back. But he talks very specifically about how the like line between fear and excitement like when we're feeling both it's just our breath so it's like if we can just breathe and allow it a little bit it like can really transmute and be like i'm actually yeah i'm excited there's a lot of unknown and there's a lot that's actually exciting right that's like the roller coaster of life that's like the adventure if we all knew how it's all gonna work out it'd be so boring and i think to breathe into that and allow it to like move through us instead of just like holding it right at our chest and holding on to the old stories and the and that like feeling we kind of think it's like an anxiety that's holding us back but if we can let go of the mind and the, and the stories that, that attaches to i feel like the things that i've done in life that have scared the shit out of me the most were the most exciting and paid off the most so it's like oh, i'm so happy like to have that reminder to breathe through it i think that's how i'm feeling I air meets all this fire i'm like blowtorch energy i'm just like let's go yes, which yes. i think could feel like a lot on our nervous system so such a perfect reminder this is why Ooh. i had to ask you i love that breath what a beautiful line okay yeah beautiful what a beautiful line right yeah. like i think he quoted it was the guy who um created the gestalt method like came up of with course. that but it was 
of course. I'm like, uh, you know, just these luminaries, these people who bring this wisdom to earth. I'm so grateful for them. <laughs> yeah, you are one. And then one. they back it up with evidence, back research. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you're one of them, baby. Oh, I I adore you. I cannot I tell you. you how hard this was to keep this to 45-ish minutes because I want to talk to you forever. Can I have to have you back on? It's Audrey says we're going to have our own whole talk show finally because we've Come been on. waiting. And it's Audrey's Gemini season. It would have to be in twos. It would have to be in pairs. So I agree Wait, with Audrey. We have to do everything. Double the pleasure. Double the fun. Absolutely. That's it. Um, so before I can't let you go yet, can I just ask you to share people who are – you know, obviously enamored with you. What is the best way people who are now, you know, newly going to be Stan fan garling over you? What's the best way for people to find you or to work with you? Are you taking readings right now? What what do we have going on? What are, are the offerings? A little bit of ambiguity right now because I don't know what the summer's going to be. But if they want to sign up for the waitlist, they'll be the first ones to know when they happen. And I did launch an intro to astrology pre-recorded workshop in case they just want to learn a little bit about the signs. That's available in my uh, link tree or bio link, whatever the hell, snip feed. I don't even know anymore. In my bio link. And then I have a really cool like tech subscription. <laughs> uh, I don't even know anymore. Horoscope, like sort of I send content out via SMS text, which I've had a lot of fun with. So we, we could like have more of a communication connection that way. But yes, that's what I would promote. I hate promoting. So that's why that was, I butchered it. I hope that. I know, but I had to make you the Leo Rising. Listen, I know it's the only part where you're not just, I love it. That's why we got to do it. Also, people need this. They want to work with you after. And the Intro to Astrology course sounds amazing. Also, go check out all of Colin's books, please. Go, you know, to all of his channels. It's such a treat. Um, Just like when you pop up my feed, it's always a treat. But thank you so much for coming on today and being so generous and so thoughtful and just giving us some really life-changing tools in this little, like, 45 minute podcast. I'm like, this is a real everyone. Get your freaking notebooks out. Listen to this again. Take notes. School's in session. Okay. I learned from you. <laughs> Thank you for being that container. I appreciate it so much. It's a blessing to be in your space. And we got to record part two soon. Got to do part two. All right. Part two. Do you love getting your Cosmic RX for the week here and want more? Make sure to sign up for our premium subscription so you can get exclusive access to bonus podcast episodes, all of my astrology info for the month ahead, and live new and full moon calls to help you manifest your dream life with an intentional international community of other cosmic baddies. Sign up through our link in show notes. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you want to know more about Cosmic RX, head on over to thecosmicrx.com. And if you really love this show, I'd love it if you left a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. I super love hearing from you and reading your reviews. All right, you Cosmic Baddie, tune in next week. And until then, remember, love yourself fully, work your magic, and take no shit.